Yeah. Test, test, test. Hey. There we go. <laughs> it saved us five minutes. Hallelujah. <sighs> One week off and there's already glitches. <laughs> glitches everywhere. Just like beginners. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Well. You want to just start? Yeah, let's get started. Should we do two hours? Two hours. Since we missed a week? Missed a week and we're going to miss next week? No, it's <laughs> three hours. Three hours. It's like, show. Uh, it used to be like the church I used to go to the church for like two and a half hours. It was the most miserable experience as a 12-year-old kid in your life. I can only imagine. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our final installment of the role players of 2017 yeah yeah i am arthur mosley he is daniel allen we are the role players we can be found on twitter at the role players one uh on soundcloud with the role players and you can also find us on itunes Mm -hmm. the role players uh the one with the microphone um and if you subscribe to it you don't even have to Come back and check. It just, right, it just pops it just up. Pop up a little notification. Automatically. So subscribe, listen. Uh, conversation on sports. And this, you know, in our first, I guess, I don't want to say season, but our first season, we've really focused heavily on college football, right? It's, yeah. It's kind of been our... It is the season for that. Right. Though. And, um, you know, college football's winding down. The year's winding down. Uh, our last show of 2017. So we wanted to make sure we got in... Um, one to to be able to wish all of our loyal and faithful listeners a Merry Christmas. Uh, we don't want to leave you guys hanging for a full three weeks, so we want to make sure you guys keep coming back for more. So mm-hmm. once again, we, we like, like we always say, our opinions don't matter. No, but you should listen to us anyway. Listen to us anyway. You might get some comedic relief. You might learn something. You probably learned something. Um, it might not be anything of substance or anything that will help you. Might, but you probably learned something. Something you can maybe use in a trivia game that might get you free wings or yeah. a drink. I guess so. Could possibly. So last week, I had to call in sick, so <sighs> we didn't get to record. So we didn't get to preview these meaningless bowl games. Man, because I, I really had an in-depth, some in-depth analysis about meaningless, co- like the Temple, Florida International Bowl game. Yeah. Is that Louisiana the is Tech that, and that, SMU. We that, did miss um, some some coaching hires. We did. Because uh, when last we spoke, it was, <laughs> is Tennessee going to have a coach next time we get together? And they did. They did. Shockingly, they did. Uh, I took a lot of guff uh, from one of my Tennessee, I mean, uh, Tennessee friends who stopped me in the hallways at church and said, uh, why are you picking on my Tennessee volunteers? I was like, how can I not? How, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 – classic made for the role players radio i mean it's, yeah made for anyone that they're they're doing that to themselves that's not us we're just sh- shining a light on it and it happens to be relevant that that is definitely not us that's doing that so it's, so if you're going to grade tennessee's higher um I mean, and let's not take the debacle of it's kind of hard to not take the debacle into the overall situation when you grade it, because it's kind of like grading on a curve. Because if they had hired Pruitt, you know, a week after they got rid of Butch without all this stuff, versus after you've torpedoed your university's image and all, <laughs> you've struck out on thirteen coaches. It's different. I think he's better than than all the, his potential. So 
I don't, man, I love Jeremy Pruitt. He did a lot for Georgia. He's a great defensive coordinator. I think he's one of the best in the country. He's a great recruiter. He is, I just don't, he, you don't know if he's ready, mature enough to be a head coach. Yeah, he's never, has he been a head coach at any level no. before? Okay, so. No, and he's had, at, at Florida State and Georgia, there have been some, just kind of left behind some whispers of some behavior that's not all that becoming of a, Hey, you know, just kind of immature type so stuff. So some indiscretions there. That, yeah, that he, he can lose his cool, and he's kind of a kind of a wild card. Hmm. But so I think it could be he could do great, or it's just risky. I mean, granted, Kirby had never been a a head coach, but he had been in one position under one guy for nine years, and it's you know Pruitt's kind of jumped around, and like I said, some some rumors and things when he leaves pop up. So. Who knows? I mean, Phil. F- <laughs> the funniest thing is is big old Phil Fulmer overseeing all of this and just kind of sitting right there because that man loves the spotlight and he loves that he's back in the. You know, he kind of snuck in and stole the AD position from John Curry, <laughs> and now he's right back. He was on ESPN or the SEC Network yesterday on signing day doing. Interviews. I didn't listen to it, but you so know why that was man he loved eight, why was he AD doing interviews? Is, is, I guess because their coach is, <laughs> is practicing with another team. Maybe <laughs> I don't. Wait a minute. Is does that mean he's stealing their recruits? That's always kind of what I've wondered. Because when Kirby was doing half and half, he would recruit, and then he'd go to Bama and he'd do Bama stuff. Now he didn't recruit for them. I'm sure Pruitt's recruiting for Tennessee, and he missed a few, the first few practices for Bama cuz mm. it was the, a big weekend for them but then he wasn't there yesterday on the signing day so who i don't know, that early signing day is thrown thrown people for a loop but it'll be fun to watch Phil and Pruitt how that relationship goes over the years uh, i i think one and i don't know this for sure but kind of in my gut i just feel that Fulmer hired somebody who hadn't been a head coach, so maybe he can keep that guy under his thumb oh, yeah. and, and kind of say, hey, I'm, you know, I've been here. I've done that before, boy. I'm sure. I'm sure he'd like to be the puppet master um, back there, you know, making calls down to the sideline <laughs> with some suggestions. And Who knows? Who um, knows? They're, I know Pruitt's going after a lot of Juco guys this year, so he, I guess he's looking for a quick fix because, man, they've got – that's a mess to walk into. Well, I mean, you, that is a big mess. They don't de- even have a defensive coordinator yet. I don't know if they have an offensive. No, wait. Shear, Kevin Shearer is their defensive coordinator, but but a lot of their staff isn't done, and a lot of other schools like FSU doesn't have a DC. South Carolina doesn't have an OC. It's strange to have a signing day when all these people are still floating around in bowl practice. I don't know if I like it. I like how it ended yesterday, <laughs> but it's just strange. I think it should be in August. Yeah, that would or make just more sign sense whenever before, you want. Before the the before the season, the high school season starts. Um, one of the things that I think coaches like, and I can't speak for the coaches, but I, I feel like I read a couple of articles, especially in a, a situation like Georgia and Miami, where Miami locked down eighteen of their twenty targets yeah. yesterday. Uh, you don't have guys going to take that last official visit and then maybe changing their mind. You don't have a guy. Yeah. You know, maybe Georgia doesn't have a guy. Uh, like maybe going to Justin Auburn. Fields doesn't go visit yeah, Florida State exactly. with their new coach, and that you don't have to sweat it. You're right, and you can focus on who's left. Like Georgia has maybe two or three spots left, unless they process someone. But the 
so you don't have to do that, and you can focus on 2019, 2020. Like Miami just got a receiver that transferred down to IMG from Georgia, who's a beast. He committed to them today. You can focus on that and get a step ahead and not mm-hmm. sweat all that out. I agree. I love that part of it because January and February is always just crazy. Yeah. People flipping all, and you know that's when Auburn starts bringing the big money out. And so it's <laughs> the bag man comes out, right? <laughs> right after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Or right around Christmas, should we say? So the yeah. bag man's going to have to make make an early delivery uh, going forward. But nevertheless, uh, so you know, a big day this week, this past Wednesday, National Signing Day opens up the early period, and then officially, uh, I think we end in what the first week, the first Wednesday in February. Is that? That's the next. Yeah, that's National Signing Day. So this early signing period was basically Wednesday through Friday. So they could all sign. Most of them signed yesterday. Um, a, a handful, like Georgia had a tight end signed today, and mm-hmm. a handful did, and some might on Friday. But, yeah, so and it's a dead period. So within January, they'll kick back up with whoever's left. But if you're – tell me your opinion on this. If, you, if you're a high school senior, you are, Arthur Mosley – you commit to Miami in September. Mm-hmm. December signing period comes around. You decide not to sign. That to me is you're not. They're not, your leader. You're not committed, right? Exactly. So unless the school says, "Hey, wait," because Georgia did that to some people. Schools have done that to some people. Say, "Hey, wait until February," for whatever reason. But if you're five star guy and you say, "No, I'm going to wait till February," that's that's not committed to me. That's just saying. I don't know. If you're really committed, there's no reason not to sign in December. I completely agree. Um, I would, and growing up as a Miami Hurricane fan, if you would have told me I had an opportunity to to be the ball boy for the basketball team, if I could sign in, in September, I would have signed in September. Um, it just seems a little suspect when a when a player, yeah, you know, I'm I, I'm – you know, I'm a Miami guy, or I'm Florida guy, Georgia, Auburn, whatever, and then the National Signing Day comes, and I'm I'm going to make my official visit to LSU also. Yeah. Or I, I want to go to my official visit to Notre Dame. I mean, why anybody would take an official visit to Notre Dame in the winter, I don't <laughs> understand. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I get taking visits would be fun and stuff, but you need to – you've had enough time to do that, I think. There's nothing to gain from – from doing that so. right anyways unless you're taking and you know unless you're you know want to be a cd individual and take an official visit to louisville um to louisville. but uh i guess that was under the rick patino in basketball so that's oh com- well, i think i get what you're saying completely different sorry completely different reference <laughs> yeah uh, i get you yeah so anyways so yeah tennessee got a coach um good for them um, I guess I don't know. We'll, any, we'll see if it's good for them. <laughs> it's just—it's another thing to to have these um to have the coaches trying to scramble and do all that. Like Kirby yesterday came out, they had practice, comes out of practice, and all this stuff's happening. And Saban and all these schools in the bowl games, but especially the playoff teams, it's kind of a it seems like it could be a distraction to me. Extremely. I mean, you're trying to focus on game, and now you gotta. Go chase down 17, 18-year-old yeah. kids to get them to sign a piece of paper, which, I mean, I think one of the reasons why you have a staff to help you do that, obviously, but they're still in the back of your mind, hey, we got to lock some kids down. And for Georgia, it was a banner day. Um, 
with some of the commits they were able to sign. What was it? Six five-star recruits. Um, yeah, six or yeah, seven. that's more than any conference has, uh, much less a school. That was the best day Georgia's ever had. But, um, but the Oklahoma, it, it kind of makes you forget. Like for the moment yesterday, I, you know, I kind of had to think. Oh wait, we got a playoff game in a week. <laughs> you know, like I love the guy. I love recruiting, but you can get you can get too carried away and too excited about the guys that. You know, you never well, know. You think who's going to be come in and start? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people thought that Richard LeCount would come in and start for us at some position, or all these in, or and then there's underrated guys that are three star and they come in and they start. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I'll give you a name: Josh Harvey Clemens for Georgia. You thought was just going to be all world, and he's kind of. Yeah. I mean, he ended up at Louisville and had a decent career, I, I, I guess, but not the player you thought he was going right. to. Got in a little bit of trouble, and I don't think he wanted to be at Georgia to begin with. But that's. Uh, he had a strange situation <laughs> with his dad. Her grandfather, grandfather ran yes. off with his letter, and yeah, that was that was very weird. Weird, very weird. He made it to the NFL though. He plays for the Redskins. Okay, so I saw him on the when they played the Cowboys. They're like Josh Harvey Clemens. Whoa, so, I'm happy for him that he got things straightened out because because it was tumultuous times for Mr. Clint, uh, Harvey Clemens. Yeah, he had some growing up to do, and nobody helps develop you know young people into fine men better than Bobby Petrino. He is right. the master, right? He's, he shapes uh, him up. I wish we could have an eye roll visual for, for that. <laughs> uh, one of the things, you did talk about five stars, and one of the things I do want to mention, I'm, I am not a Georgia fan as a disclaimer, but one of the things that Kirby Smart said yesterday, hey, it, it's great we got these kids in here, and now it's our job to coach them up um, because that five-star potential doesn't mean a whole lot if we can't mm-hmm. coach them. So uh, I think most of these coaches know that, that the, the stars are great, but – has a kid maxed out? What's his potential? How's development. Fit, how does he fit in our system? Yeah, so. The de-recruitment process I love where they talk about, all right, everybody tells you you're the greatest thing on the planet, mm-hmm. and then you sign, and it's you got to de-recruit them and see how and they handle them, that. Yeah, they don't all down, handle yeah. it well, you know? You know, you're the bee's knees in high school when you come to, you know, Athens or Alabama, yeah. or, Alabama or, or Tuscaloosa or Auburn or – Clemson or Columbia or wherever you might be, Gainesville, and you know what? You're just another dude. Mm-hmm. Unless you played for Urban Meyer at Florida in the in the 2000s. No. Remember how they would say that he had his guys and mm-hmm. his five stars, and mm-hmm. they would get preferential treatment. I don't know if he still does that at Ohio State, but hmm. the last time we talked, the playoffs had been set, right? They were set. I think we did we did briefly mention. Um. The bowl games, maybe ones that interested us, and then we, I think we did talk a little bit about um, the semi- national semifinals. I don't know if we gave our picks. I can't even no. remember. Um, but we can get into that. I don't know if you want to get into that right now, or if there was anything else. I mean, there, there are a couple other things that do want to do want to talk about that don't have anything to do with college football. So if you want to stay on task, we can stay on. No, let's talk about those things. LeVar Ball. Can I talk about LeVar? LeVar. I mean, that's a hard break. Since we last met, LeVar Ball had uh, removed or unenrolled or his son from UCLA. Uh, LeAngelo. LeAngelo, right. And then he signed a – took his kids to Lithuania? Lithuania. 
Not 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 Lithonia, Georgia. Not Lithonia, Georgia, <laughs> or not Livonia, Georgia. Lithuania. I think it was to me is best known for. I'm pretty sure this is them. Back in the Olympics, they they wore the tie dye uniforms. I believe. Um, hmm. I don't know if you remember that their basketball team wore wore tie dye like a Grateful Dead um, sort of thing. I think that's um, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, that's about the be- most I know about Lithuania. Yeah. So, um, 92- so, so Lavar of all the places he decides to go, he pulls his kids out and feels that Lithuania would give them the best opportunity to grow as a player, I guess, and prepare for the NBA. Yeah. And, and the, and what was funny it is makes that sense some, to of me. The, <laughs> some of the comments from people that apparently know the league, which I'm not going to try to pronounce, um, mentioned that it's an interesting choice because it's a very remote location the they get paid the equivalent of i think about 500 dollars a month and they don't always know that their check is going to be coming sometimes they don't get paid and the coach may or may not show up to practice in games well so let me get this straight my coach might not show up yeah it's in a remote location yeah and I'm not quite sure that I'm going to get paid. Yeah, and if you do get paid, you're getting paid about 150 bucks a month, hundred something, or I mean a week. So okay, so if I'm going I don't know to the cost of living in Lithuania, but 500 a month, uh, not mm. that many places I can think of that you're going to live too well. So if on we, 500 a month, if we just do the math, that's six thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And that's a very lucrative contract. Very lucrative. For that's an about as grader. much money as he's made off of the big baller brand. <laughs> though, I think. You know, that he's trying to supplement that income. So it's just, it's just what it's, it's, it's so stupid to think that you're going to go to Lithuania and play battle. Like who, who says that's thinks that's a good idea. Hey, let's let's figure that. Okay, our son stole from China okay. and is currently suspended. Okay, we don't think that's it's not his fault. fair, it's right? Not, yeah, it's not, it's his, not fault. his fault. Other people are doing it too, so I don't think that's fair. And also, it's funny that the president intervenes and gets helps him get out, and then they get into a beef because he says, "No, no, he on, didn't have anything on, to do with it." On Twitter, yeah, that's the dude. Trump and Ball going back and forth is like a match <laughs> so, made in yeah, heaven. Yeah, they they were meant for each other. <laughs> yeah. So he, yeah, decides to pull his kid out, and then his high school son, which who I, I don't know if he's going to be going to high school in Lithuania or if he's going to continue his education anywhere or if he's just not going to, you know, graduate high school, if that doesn't matter. Why does he need any, why does he need any kind of parochial school or any kind of higher education? No. He's going to be a professional basketball player. Yeah, I guess they, they like like Cardale Cordale was it Cardale Jones said you don't he didn't go to college to play to play class he went to play football, so that's maybe the same thinking. Interesting that um it's just and so what is he doing now? Going to create his own league because that's worked out well for everyone in the past that's created their own. Well, league. but this is different. It's the Junior Basketball Association, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so Lavar. Wants to create a basketball, and it will be sponsored by the Big Baller brand. So okay, so we're not going to Nike to get sponsorship here. So, so eight teams with ten man rosters, right. and they're paying each three thousand to to ten thousand, which is so more than you that's get paid. Almost in, a million a per year that you're giving out. 
you're paying these kids? Oh. Like overall, does he have? I guess maybe he's taking uh, Lonzo's check to to fund it. Maybe. Well, it's well. First of all, this is a much better option than going to play in Lithuania. Yes, that's true. For starters, that's true. Uh, and, and I'm not going to downplay the entrepreneurial idea. Uh, I, I, I do have to question how this came into play, other than this would really benefit my kids today. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think he might be onto something. Quite frankly, will you, you, to your point of Cardell Jones? Hey, I don't want to. I'm not in it to go play. I'm not playing school. I'm I'm here to come, you know, play football. But if you're going to be in school for four years, you might as well get an education. Yeah. Um, it's a good idea to get an education, no matter what you do or well, what your plans or are. Some kind of yes, learn a trade, something. Right. You don't have to. You don't. Not everybody. I I I agree. Not every person is made to sit in a four-year institution of higher learning uh, and pump out a you know worthless sociology degree or you know humanities degree what do you do with that like mm-hmm. my, my, art a, history i had a buddy of mine you know he laughed at my degree he's like so when you finish you're going to go work at the economics factory down the street and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> to which i replied <laughs> uh. um but uh, three, yeah, so the budget, you know, how do you how do you determine who gets to ten thousand dollars a month? Yeah, and and who gets to three thousand dollars? And month? you're gonna get you're gonna find eighty high schoolers each year to do this, and you're gonna play in NBA arenas. That's my question. And they think that that will get them more exposure and more development is the key because you got to get coaches and assistant coaches, and right. you got to tell these because if you're a high schooler, if you're Jalen Brown and you're at Wheeler your senior year, mm-hmm. you know that in 13 months you're going to get a heavy, Fat a, yeah, a check. huge contract. So would you rather go learn, like, or say you're Wendell Carter at Duke, would you rather go learn from Coach K for a year or would you rather go learn from LeVar Ball's coach and get developed? I tell you, it only works is it could work if the NBA adopted it. But if they wanted uh, and, to do that, they would have already done that. Well, this is and true. they have the D-League. You can go to the D-League. And you can go to Turkey or Croatia right. or Spain and play. And you can get a much better contract in like Greece than you could in $3,000 a in, month. And the junior, the junior Basketball Association. So it, let's... Let's see what kind of caliber of coach we get first of all, because you got to pay these guys. Because nobody's gonna. I mean, if you're pulling out Art Mosley to coach these guys, you're in a world of trouble. That's what I'm saying. Where are the coaches gonna come from? I mean, maybe it's CDAAU coaches. That's probably so. That, but they probably get paid more shoveling kids for Adidas and things than they do from Lavar. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Labar's comment, you know, the kids who are one and done shouldn't be there, you know, at the NCAA, holding them hostage, not allowing them to keep the jersey they wear while selling replicas, blah, 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 blah. So our guy isn't going to go to Florida State. He's going to go come to our Yeah, Army. why is he picking on Florida State? I mean, Leonard Hamilton does a good job, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, let's come on, see. Uh, so. <laughs> Anyways. It's, yeah, okay, we've probably spent enough time on this. It, this is, you know, kind of a side note of things that have happened since we last spoke. He has grand plans, doesn't he? Well, you know what? I, I applaud him for his effort. Because one of these days, he's going to make a lot of money. Well. Maybe. 
none of his plans have worked out all that well so far. Um, none of his, I'll say his his side projects. I like the entrepreneurial yeah. spirit, but but big baller brand isn't exactly blowing up. No, it's not. And so no. it's hard to think. I don't know if this guy really has the Midas touch, like he thinks he does. But he's got to got to start somewhere, right? Look at look at sure. the, look at Colonel Sanders and KFC. But it he was had late. delicious chicken this time. Yeah, but it was late in his career, so. He was trying and trying and trying early on, and he just couldn't get it done. Was he? Late, kind of like Truett Cathy. You know, late and I think later in his career is when he... But again, he had a great product to sell. Eventually, Lavar's going to come up with something. Like Who's something going to pay to go watch juniors and seniors in high school, like 16-year-olds? Who's going to pay enough money to fund this? I mean, they, you know, Alan Iverson and Ice Cube came up with the big three, which is three-on-three basketball that goes from city to city, and that has Allen Iverson, it mm-hmm. has Stephen Jackson, it has uh, all these players that once played, and uh, and that hardly nobody pays attention to it. It's, it's just a so tough scene. Who's going to go to these high school games? <laughs> or G- JBA games? Right. When you, nobody. When you can get a college ticket for most times, you know. How And how many parents are going to say, yeah, my 16-year-old needs to, we need to, Move to New York and then have him fly around the country competing, making three thousand a month. Let's do like how does it logistically how is it gonna work? Like what about the kid that's in let's say Wisconsin? Yeah, I saw that Walford. Wisconsin, if there's a not that Wisconsin pumps out big basketball players, but if one of them wants to go and there's eight big baller team or whatever, JBA teams and they're in major cities. Is he just? Are they just gonna go room together? Or are they gonna provide them lodging? Yeah. It's just none of it. It's it's a great idea, but when you get down to the logistics of it, I don't see how it could possibly work. I don't. I don't either. What? I don't, I don't know. know. Applaud his effort. I, I do. There's one minor news story I want to make known. I know we we don't talk a whole lot of. We haven't talked a whole lot of college basketball lately. Um, but when one of the Blue Bloods goes down, it's always a celebration here uh, at 932 Studios. Wofford, the Wofford Terriers beat the North Carolina Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. South Carolina is one of their premier institutions. Yep. Wofford, the um, the Terriers are a tough squad, and they, yeah. 79-75. Remember that. Yeah, the Terriers are eight and four, but remember that going into the tournament, if they if the Wofford did they beat South Carolina? Check Wofford's mm. schedule. They they played another team very close. I I thought it might be South Carolina. Um, check out the Terriers. I know people listening are have really been interested in Wofford's schedule. Oh no, they got crushed by South Carolina. So they did get crushed. Uh, so Wofford. Oh, uh, they beat Georgia Tech. That's right. Not not much of an accomplishment. Oh, by the way. George played Georgia Tech this week. Did you see any of that? I tried to stomach my way through the first half of that game, and then I fell off the table. Um, oh, I did see waxed. It was early. It was close. It was close early. Um, yes, it was. It was I, for I think a bit. the last time I remember it was thirty six, thirty two, or something like that. Georgia with the lead, um, and then the floodgates opened, and like we have been doing in most sports this year, just total annihilation. Let me get the final score for you. 80 to 59. So Whoa, it was close. It. it was 80 close. To 80 to 59. 
Uh, wow. So, anyways, that so was a Mark, nice. Mark Fox got over on on Georgia Tech, is what you're telling. Yeah, me. they were up by two at halftime, and then second half decided to increase that lead to nine by 19. So, uh, I did see some of the beautiful. shots taken by Georgia Tech. It left me scratching my head. Hey, you know, they'll have to pony up and pay a little more change, I guess, to get some higher rate play. This is just <laughs> so funny that Georgia would be. be beating Georgia Tech in basketball because that shouldn't happen very regularly because they have so much more tradition and sitting there in Atlanta and that that is just so embarrassing for them because we're not any basketball powerhouse we're a football school that I wish we cared more about basketball but we don't but um well that was that was fulfilling that was nice to end the year on a you know knocking them out in both sports and neither one of them were you know, both of them were bloodbaths. So, well, shout out to Josh Pastner for your strong start to the year with the losses to Georgia and Wofford and Grambling. He's uh, he's ACC, doing a great job. ACC Coach of the Year last year, wasn't he? Yeah, he he last year he turned them, he got them rolling and had some really respectable wins. Did they beat North Carolina? They beat one of those ACC top teams. So, um. Last year he looked he looked better, but I don't I don't really know what's what's happening with him. Well, uh, they'll have it doesn't a ch- hurt my feelings. They'll have a chance to right the ship tomorrow against Wright State uh, at nine o'clock oh, Friday. This podcast should be released by then. So, uh, hey, Wright State had had a couple tourney appearances not too long ago. Yeah. So. Yeah, they did. And then they get Coppin State, which that that'll be might be a yeah, tough they, one so, for them. Yeah, Coppin State. They're on their HBCU tour, and then they start a ACC play on December 30th with Notre Dame. And then look at that top ten team coming into Atlanta. Are you going to go to that game? Top ten coming to Atlanta Wednesday, January 3rd. I'll be at nine o'clock. I'll be in Dallas, Georgia. Unfortunately, oh, Paulding North Paulding High School. I think that's a game that Coach Art might need to call in sick and then show up at the what do they call it? Camish Pavilion? Is it? They don't. Yeah. The Thriller is that no, Thriller Dome? Gone. Is that's, that what they yeah, smashed? It used to be yeah. I don't. I think they just re re. Uh, McCamish Pavilion. Refurbished okay. is that a good way to put that? Refurbished. Cool. Cool. So anyway, uh, Georgia Georgia Tech basketball getting ready to crank up ACC ACC play. So we'll see if they can make any moves. They've got. By the way. Yes. Sorry, I don't Go ahead. mean to interrupt please, you. Please. Speaking of Georgia Tech, they also had a solid uh, early signing day. They come in with the 55th ranked class in the country, uh, 11th in the ACC. So Paul Johnson once again tearing it up on the recruiting trail, which is I think is kind of a you know you wonder how he he has such great seasons and they they keep you know all, all all the success on the field and i think it's you directly direct correlation from the his his recruiting efforts which are incredibly uh remarkable and just i don't i don't know how he does it it's got to be you you'd think you know a lot of people say georgia must be paying people now um i don't know if if johnson's been paying people not to go there or what it is but it's it's really unrivaled so with the 55th ranked recruiting class i can assure you that on most georgia tech message boards they will be talking about how they almost had uh jamari salier uh, they almost had justin fields maybe they almost had uh lynn j dixon maybe they almost had adam anderson and maybe they almost had um 
Trevor Pick Lawrence. Any of the the Georgia has the highest rate of blue chippers, four and five stars, mm-hmm. Division one players per capita of any state. Mm-hmm. So pick, it's just it's hard to be a power five school in Georgia and not field a very talented roster. They had one one defensive lineman that flipped from he was a four star flipped to Michigan, and part of it he said he wanted to get to the pros. Michigan could do that, and he didn't want to be. Get. risk cut blocks in practice and have to no, do uh, no. that all the time. No, the, the, the truth is he saw the girl-to-guy ratio at Georgia Tech. <laughs> and it's... Well, that could appeal to it's some... One, one, one girl for every three guys. And he was like, nah, I'm, uh, I'm good. It's just, it's to me, it's mind-boggling how you can be... Uh, I mean, you have to... I know Paul Johnson doesn't think he needs to recruit and all that stuff because his system's so so... Foolproof. It's ahead of his. Yes. He's ahead of his time. Yes, it's it's so genius that he doesn't need good players to run it, which has kind of been reflected in the last few years by his record. But uh, I just can't I can't fathom how he couldn't hire one great recruiter on his staff and bring in. You know, you're not saying you're going to beat Georgia out for any of these players regularly. Chan Gailey did from time to time, mm-hmm. and just bring in. It's. I mean, there's just so so much talent in Georgia. Well, it's so pathetic. the academic rigors of Georgia Tech are right, so right, right. difficult. Yeah, yeah. That's Stanford's problem, too. That's why they can't ever get any good players to go out there, and Duke and basketball can't, you know. It's, right, because it's just so tough. And uh, That's that's the biggest B. I, do, I mean, when, you, when you've put out Stefan Marbury and, and uh, what was the dude that, that just recently shot someone in Atlanta. He was a point guard, not to Javaris Crittenden. Uh, yeah. When you're when you're pumping guys yeah. like that through there, you can't really point to your academic rigors as the reason. That's not the reason. I mean, that's that's garbage. That's that might make it tougher, but that they're it. That's not the reason they don't get right. good players. It's because Paul Johnson doesn't care about recruiting. Yeah. And like I've said, I don't. I'm not saying this to to bash them because I don't care enough about them to do that but they should expect more they should they should demand more out of their institution given what like you said given the amount of recruits yeah there's in this just state, so many this is there's not so wyoming many. and in basketball too it just doesn't it's it's just sad it's sad i um i feel for them so you guys tech fans you should i think demand a little more from your head coach in football than to put a little more effort in, because that's all recruiting is. A lot of his effort, you know, and and your pitch, and it's, it's the guys so, that yeah, right. Sell. It's it's effort in recruiting. So if you don't think it matters and you don't care, that's great. But I don't know. Somebody it just seems like you should have a higher standard. But I don't mind. One one last comment, and then I really do want to get into um, the two games that we want to talk about. I, I, I have an open invitation to Jimbo Fisher to answer this question because during ACC media days, Jimbo made a comment that the ACC was the best conference. Yeah. Uh, they had the... He's railed against the SEC in the past, too. Reigning Heisman Trophy winner, the national champion. You know, he, he talked about how many times... Was it two out of the last... Three or four years, the ACC had won a national title or something to that effect. Um, I mean, twice since 2013. Okay, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Two out of the last four years. So two out of the last four. Um, That's cool. You know who won two out of the other four? 
Yeah, well, that's that's irrelevant. That doesn't that doesn't bode well for the argument here. It's just when you're comparing them. If right. you say we won two out of the last four, we're right. better than them. Then right. They're like, you know, they're high, you know, no, I guess the no. SEC Heisman. has one of the last four because we're forgetting oh, Ohio, Ohio State. State. That's right. No, but I'm. But you can't really. But all that aside, Jimbo Fisher leaves the ACC to join the. <laughs> Weaker conference, yeah. and we're not conference guys, so I'm not. I just thought that was a little ironic that maybe he wants an easier path, so he'd rather go through <laughs> Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. Yeah, okay. and Georgia. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty smart. That's that's shocking to me that anybody would leave FSU to go to A and I. I don't know if it's money or if he he thought he wasn't appreciated enough, but. To, to go to the SEC West, which, granted, Saban probably isn't going to be around for too much longer, but it's still, that's a heck of a lot harder path to get through than you do at Florida State. Well. I don't know. It's just, like you said, it's strange to say all that about the ACC and then leave it voluntarily. Yeah. Maybe he was putting up a smokescreen. Man, F- Florida State fans are, they have no love lost for Jim F- Jimbo Fisher. Well, the the... Some of the information I've, I feel like I've gotten from Florida State fans is, hey, this guy stopped recruiting back in September. He's really been, you know, kind of off his off his game for a long time and glad to see him go, which is kind of shocking to me because I always try to – I try to be level-headed even when I talk about my enemies. Um, but I was just kind of shocked that Jimbo Fisher was, you know, would lead the cover bear and wasn't recruiting. He and didn't he? He's had as, I think it was two years ago. He had the number two or the number three class. They, they're, they're still. He has. He doesn't have a poor recruiting class when he left. I mean, he didn't get Justin Fields, but he, he's had. You know, he had plenty of. That's just the same thing all schools do when a coach leaves. Like South Carolina fans, granted, Spurrier did get a little bit lazy and left mid-year but they talking about how he you know a lot of them had no kind words to say about him and this is the guy that made you relevant like he you had what one 11 win season like in your history or something <laughs> like that and he put together two or three I, when coaches leave why can't you just say hey appreciate what you did it was time for From, us to go right why do you have to say well he wasn't recruiting and he left the cover bear like florida did at urban meyer they're like he left the cover bear like t- he had one of the best recruiting runs in the history of the this sport and he left plenty of talent there like I, it it was geared towards his system but I, all those defense i mean come on it's just salty it's the same thing. salty salty yeah just just don't I don't know why they do that. When a coach leaves and you got to rip him and bash him, like it, especially when you fight, if you fire a coach, that that to me, it's like if a coach leaves you, I could see how you'd be like, well, he left, you know, right. kind of resent it. But if a coach is fired, it, it's you can't blame that guy, right? Yeah, you, he didn't you choose solved, to leave. You solved the problem by firing him. You yeah. move on. Everybody, it's kind of like the backup quarterback, right? He's the everybody. The next favorite. coach coming in, yeah, he's going to do this because this guy wouldn't recruit me. To say that Jimbo had stopped recruiting in September is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like, he decided he was going to go. He didn't know what jobs were going to be open, but in his mind, he was going to leave, and so he didn't want to recruit. And the guy, I mean, come on. Come on. It is lame to not tell your players, you know, for them to find out you're leaving text message or to see a picture of your 
Christmas tree on the side. Yeah. Anyways. Let's talk about the rematch. Can we? The rematch. The trilogy. Bama is a two and a half point favorite over Clemson. I am scratching my head. Yeah, me too. And these these lines came from Bovada, so I don't I don't know if how up to date they are. But they're favorite and everywhere I've seen. Two and a half point favorite. I assume that the Bama defense will be healthy. Uh, Somewhat. Dylan Moses um broke his foot this week in practice and has to get surgery, and he's at that linebacker position, inside linebacker where they're already thin. But uh, yeah, somewhat healthy. But I don't, man, I don't get that line at all. I don't understand it. Um, what is it about Bama's last three or four games that would make, compared to Clemson, that would make Bama the favorite? Well, Nick Saban is a head coach at Bama. Nick Saban. So that's obviously a ten point. So in any other game with any other situation, if Mike DeBose was coaching Alabama, then you know Clemson would be a twelve and a half point favorite. I mean, you could do it based off their history and mystique and, and their last few years or whatever, except for the fact that they just lost to Clemson last year. And uh, I just don't – I don't understand that at all. I know Clemson opened as a favorite, and then I guess all the public – The money, maybe the money. money went to, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I would I, – I really don't have a whole lot on this. I know that – Alabama likes to line up and run the ball. I know that Clemson has a phenomenal defense, and I think they do just enough on offense. Um, I think this game is 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 uh, as close as the game last year, but not as entertaining. Mm, I could see that for sure. I think that Clemson, um, Bama holds them under thirty points. But I think this game is something like 28 to 26. Mm. Clemson. And even that's kind of high scoring considering their offenses this year. I mean, lately, I, I would say. Not not so much Clemson because they've been doing But Bama's offense hasn't been. They were scoring 60 early in the year against Vandy. But uh, against Auburn, against Mississippi State, they weren't. They haven't been lighting it up. And that, like you said, that defense, defensive line mainly for Clemson to me, it's just kind of strength on strength. Although it it lately it seems like more Bama, you know, they want to pound people, but most of their runs have been coming from Hurts. Like he had more rushes than all three of their other running backs combined um, against Auburn. It's just kind of strange to me how many. I don't know if they're design runs or what, but man, that, he's he's running the ball a lot. Do you think uh, they miss Lane Kiffin calling plays on offense? Yeah, yes, I definitely think so. And and also we Alabama has a defensive coordinator who is splitting time or was splitting yeah. time. I know he's back full time now, but I wonder if that plays into anything. It's hard. When Kirby did it, they gave you remember they gave up forty something points to Clemson. And it's hard to, to wear both shoes and, and completely game plan and do all that when you're you've got a brand new coach or brand new position for your first time and you're trying to put together a staff and get players i don't yeah i don't know how they do it that's yeah you've got to think that's tough i don't know how much clemson will score because i honestly don't know what to you know if if good kelly bryant shows up they could put up 30 if if he doesn't have a great game yeah they could put up 13 um 
I think it'll be, I'm with you, I, I think it could be something like 24-20. Clemson, um, I can't see any team getting above 30, either one of them. I, I just don't think Bama has it this year. I don't think their defense is dominant enough, and I don't think their offense against Clemson's D will, will be able to, to have a whole lot of success because Hurts doesn't throw the ball downfield well. And so, and I don't think you're going to line up and run on, on Clemson, so I just don't. I just don't see how this ends well for Alabama. I don't either. And maybe this is the beginning of the end. Passing of the torch. Um, unless we remind Alabama fans, you know, in their arrogance and cockiness of the Mikes, Mike Price, Mike DeBose, Mike Shula. Uh-huh. You're only a Nick Saban retirement away from returning to... Yeah. There's no guarantee. They all think Dabo's just going to come... You know, right over it, as soon as they call him up, he's going to leave Clemson. But I, there's no guarantee that that dude is – he's got it made at Clemson. Yes, he does. Why would you come behind Saban and that standard and the fans that are just so spoiled and so entitled and arrogant? Like, why You're a god in Clemson. And you come here, you're just going to be compared to Nick. Well, you know what Alabama fans will say. Well, we really – you know, when, when Dabo says no, they'll say we want Kirby. And then when Kirby says no, yeah. they say we didn't really want Kirby anyway because he's a traitor. And yeah, a he's a traitor. And, <sighs> Speaking of Kirby, Georgia, nasty defense. Bolstered by the fact that Natrez Patrick had his drug arrest. Yeah. Uh, so he's not going to play. No, he. I thought he was going to play. <laughs> he was going to, but he violated his probation because after he tested pot, negative for Georgia... His probation officer, they tested him. It was positive. He's in, mm. entering drug treatment. That came down today. Interesting. So that. he's, yeah, he's he's not going to play. So Natrez Patrick is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, just put down the weed, guys. Uh, but it's not like uh, that's Roquan Smith. Smith. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, no, no disrespect to Natrez Patrick. Right. Um, but he's not the same guy that Roquan Smith is. No, so, and he so, already missed four games, right, and so, when he came back, hasn't been all that spectacular. So you get a very talented Georgia defense, a efficient Georgia offense. Yeah, I would say that's a that's a good way to put it. Very efficient against an outstanding Oklahoma offense, who's mm-hmm. who their running back Rodney Anderson had the alleged. Uh, sexual misconduct charges yeah. against him dropped. Yeah. Uh, so those go away for Rodney Anderson. Uh, prolific Oklahoma offense against a very stout Georgia defense. And and really, I think what has been coined a suspect Oklahoma defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of I'm, been the start to their first three games, they were pretty stingy. The middle of the season um, – Six games in the middle, they they gave up thirty. I mean, they were terrible. And then the last three games, they've been better. But you just not, you, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that they're going to come out and and smother Georgia's run game. No. Um, the the part the thing offensively, I don't think I think Clemson is the only defensive line that's better than Auburn's. And so, from a Georgia perspective, you just you know you just put put up 28 points in Auburn and were able to move the ball very well against them. So you would think Oklahoma now, you, you wouldn't think they would 
keep you below 30 points. You wouldn't think so. I don't think Oklahoma cares if you score 31 points. Yeah. They want to score 34. Uh, right. So, um, That's their goal. So just just outscore. If you get out to a, to a fast start, you got to be feeling really good if you're Oklahoma. Like if they if they come out, score, force a three and out, score again, you've got to feel like your chances of winning are very high. Agreed. Agreed. And if you're Georgia, you got to hope in those first few drives, offensively, you can pound it down their throats or make plays. And at some point, you got to get a stop, whether it's a turnover, a punt. You can't let Baker just run wild down yeah. the field. I think what you you have to do, and this is kind of what we've done against most teams this year, the um, the whole kind of the strategy is keep everything in front of you. Don't give up the huge play and make Baker just hit dinks, dunks, things like that. Because when he's had to do that is when he's kind of forced things and struggled some this year. Mm-hmm. When he's had to complete a seven-yard slant or, you know, that sort of thing. You can't let him go 40, 50 yards over the top of the defense and hit those plays because that's just going to get them rolling. Yeah. Uh, I look for Oklahoma to come out and, and try to jump on Georgia quick. If, if I'm Georgia – you know, you have to weather the storm. Uh, seven nothing is not a difficult comeback uh, with a defense like Georgia. Fourteen nothing is not out of control. But you gotta, um, you can't. I think you, to your point, you can't let Baker Mayfield come down and you go three and out, and then he goes down and scores two quick touchdowns. And even then, you're not out of the game. But you know, I think that's not how you're designed yeah, to, to things play. can snowball for. For anybody playing an Oklahoma team like that and a prolific passer like Baker Mayfield, I am under the opinion that um, – and Georgia's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm, I'm that scr- just shocks I'm me. scratching my head on that, too. I don't get that. Um, Oklahoma Open is a favorite also. And then the money goes I, – I, that to me is – I would think that that if I'm looking at both teams, knowing them well and having watched them – I would think that Oklahoma should be about a three-point favorite, four-point favorite, something like that. I think this game is going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be like a you know a video game, and I think the high scoring game favors Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, And sorry to all my friends that are dog fans out there, and and after I give my prediction, and if Georgia wins, you can say say what you want about me, but I I like Oklahoma thirty-eight, Georgia thirty-four. Yeah, I could see it going something like that. First off, if Georgia does win and your prediction's wrong, I don't think any Georgia fans are going to be worried about giving you, you know, like they're not going to be thinking about your prediction. They're just going to be either in cardiac arrest or, you know, <laughs> not know what to do if, if we get through Oklahoma and get to the it'll be, um It will be game. the first time since Moby Dick was a minnow that Georgia <laughs> made it to the title game. Oh, just it's just it, – just, just shocking and stunning to be to be in this position in the second year for me after having five losses last year and going seven and five in the regular season. Just did not expect it, and with ease and getting hurt. So, it's it's all to me. It's all gravy at this point. Um, this year has been uh, complete success, and and me, any way you look at it. So whatever happens at this point to me, it really is kind of like playing with house money. Like I, I just don't want to get embarrassed. That's about. It, I'd love to win, but if we lose, I'm not going to be ripping my hair out and crying in the streets, you know? I think, I'm with you, I think Oklahoma will win. I don't think we'll be able to slow Mayfield down enough. 
Um, for a score, God, I have, I have no clue. I mean, I, I would think something like, like you, like thirty-eight, thirty-one, or you know, something thirty-eight, thirty-five, something like that. Um, would love to be wrong. The last time I picked Georgia to lose, we we beat Auburn in the SEC title game. So I have a good history of if I pick against them, the things work out well. But I, I don't think. I just think Oklahoma. I've I think I said it last time we 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 did this that they're the team that for the last six seven weeks I thought would win it all because I just think they're the their offense is too good for anybody to slow down. So that's the that I mean really is the one team I did not want to play. And if we somehow do beat them, I'll like our chances against Clemson or Bama much better than against right. Oklahoma for just for that reason. So. Yeah, exact score, something in the 30s, and Georgia loses by three or four, six points, something like that, to me. But, hope to God I'm wrong. Yeah, fair enough. For a wild card, two things here, because we... We're you know we're counting down to Christmas. We've got as we record, there are four days left until Christmas. Um, so, question for you: two questions for you. One, uh, favorite Christmas gift of all time. Oh man! And I know that's a stretch because I hadn't even thought about this. I'm just coming up with this. And number two, the craziest Atlanta or Atlanta sports story this season. Huh. Like, wackiest thing that happened to Atlanta, the city, or any sports team? The favorite gift I would have to... Man, my my uh, my GT BMX bike when I was, like, mm. 14 years old. I think I was 14 or 15. That's probably my favorite because that's when I had my... You know, I was going to go go to the X Games. Okay. That was part yeah, of my of life plan. And that's all I did was ride, ride, ride. So I think that would probably be off the top of my head my favorite one but man it's hard to um it's hard to say craziest atlanta sports story or just atlanta city of atlanta metro atlanta i mean we got the the bridge burning we've got the tiger we've got the sinkholes uh, the the sinkholes we've got a fire at the airport shutting that down um hurricanes snow Oh man. Oh, I think you stumped me with that one. I thought you were gonna say craziest sports oh, that experience too. Sport, yeah. in Atlanta. Oh, that, that, that too. Um No, I don't how about you you go ahead while I'm thinking okay. on that. So because I don't have a clue right now. So my my favorite um Christmas gift was not really from my childhood, but from my young adulthood when I got a record player for Christmas uh, to play albums on um, to go with my stereo system. And I have about six boxes, probably with each of like 40 or 50 albums in a mm-hmm. each. And so all things from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and I like uh, it. So a, a huge fan of vinyl that, and I still use that to this day. I've, I've I got that gift probably about twelve years ago, twelve thirteen years ago, and uh, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, favorite or wackiest story in, in Atlanta for me has to be the freaking tiger. That just uh, oh yeah yeah. I just don't. I mean, I think that trumps the you know 
85 bridge collapse for me. It trumps the the Falcons blowing a league. That's just what teams in Georgia do. They do that. Um, it it trumps the airport closing down because of a fire. Um, for me, it trumps the Georgia uh, winning the SEC title because I'm not that mm-hmm. – I mean, that, that's not very relevant to me. But just the bizarreness of, hey, there's a tiger on the loose. Mm-hmm. It's just... Um, that is a good one. It's very strange to me. So I thought that was the wackiest, most interesting story. And and it's it's something that didn't get a whole lot of national headline because mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to my friends, uh, a couple of friends of mine from Jacksonville, and I said something about a tiger being loose in Georgia. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I would... Honestly, I would probably say the the craziest or wildest thing really is the 28 to three meltdown mm. for the Falcons. Mm. See, I wasn't going to go there. Thing. I was not. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I will. That to me is more just more sort of crazy than the bridge burning down all that stuff. And that, and last year, I guess this was technically last year when the airplane crashed on the 285. That was, that was kind of yeah. crazy, but Man, yeah, I'll say, man, twenty-eight to three, and somehow losing that game—that to me is is still the the wildest Atlanta story in last year. That's mm. that's relevant. Here's one: your favorite Christmas movie. Favorite Christmas movie. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to give you two because I'm gonna have to go claymation with the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, the original, not not the one with the heat miser and the snow miser, but the original Rudolph, and then uh, Christmas Vacation. Really? Yes. I said favorite, not favorites. And I. <laughs> Which one, if you had to pick one of those two? From my childhood or adulthood? Ever. Just you. You gotta. You gotta make a choice, Art. This is not multiple selection. Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. Oh, more than Rudolph. See, I have. Uh, as far as Christmas. Va- Christmas Vacation. I think it's a great movie. I think it's very funny. But I get so tired of people quoting it around this time of year and talking about hey, it. Hey, Griswold, what are you going to do with that tree? Yeah, it's just... Bend like, over and I'll show you. It's just... I wasn't talking to you. Just, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's my general just... I'm so over social media anyways. But like on Facebook, it's, it's just... You don't have to put out your favorite five quotes or... Tell us that you're watching it and your quotes. Or, like, when you get together at family gatherings, just, uh, yeah, we've we've seen it. It's very funny. Um, but I just get tired of that. I just get tired. Christmas story is mine with that question. But, um, I, I was, yeah, I was just wondering. Because, mm. man, there's so many good ones. And to pick one is tough. We watched Rudolph last week. The kids watched that for the first time, and then they and then, watched The Grinch. Okay, for which, the first which, time. Which one? The, the real one, not not Jim Carrey. Being okay, creepy. No. <laughs> the real Grinch, you know, the original one. Yes. They watched that. Um, Cooper had watched Rudolph before, but they, they actually both sat and watched both of them. So I was I was impressed. It's um, they're still a little young to Christmas Story, so right, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, or especially Christmas Vacation, <laughs> really. <laughs> You don't want Cooper walking around yeah, saying "bend over and I'll show yeah, you." Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we that one happened. of my favorite parts about that is is the um, Elaine Bennis, you know, Julia Louis Dreyfus, yes. the neighbor and the guy, and their yes. weirdness and his Extreme. outfits and they like the space suits. Yeah, and that yeah. Kind of- 
That's one part I really do like about that. See, now you're going to make me start quoting lines from that movie. <laughs> How did the floor get all wet? I don't know, Margo. You can do it. You can do it. It's the... Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. The um, the one I hear the most probably is uh, about the toilet out there. I'm not going to say it in here. But you know what I'm talking about, saying the toilet's full. I'll tell you off there. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to cuss yeah, on yeah. here. All right, that's you fine. Know. Oh, because it, because uh, Chevy Chase has a line at the very end that I, he's got a rant that goes on and on and on and on and on. And that's, mm-hmm. that's my favorite part. Yeah, that's that great. I kind of wanted to use that on my kids a couple of days ago, but... Uh, <laughs> One last thing I do want to mention, and favorite Christmas movie is great. Um, any, how about this? Any Christmas traditions for that for the Allen household? Um, the night before, we eat breakfast, sausage biscuits and mm, eggs and grits and stuff. And, uh, and then blueberry muffins the morning of uh, Christmas, which to me, I don't, I don't eat them really any other time. But man, since I was little... It's been, yeah, it's been sausage biscuits, eggs, and grits, and then uh, after the candlelight, and then, man, blueberry muffins on Christmas morning is, like, the the big, because you open your presents, and you start smelling fresh blueberry Uh, muffins coming, it's just like, oh, man, I love it, which makes me, reminds me, I gotta go buy some blueberry blueberry muffins, muffins, yeah. We're running out of time. (laughs) We're running out of time. Yes, we are. (laughs) How about you? Um, Man, my my kids have developed a tradition that me and my brothers used to do, and they get up at like, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning and run downstairs to see what they got from Santa Claus. And it drives me absolutely crazy. Um, so they can go down before you get up? uh, They We try to stop them. Um, Hillary's very good at that. Biggest tradition, every year um, I cook uh, bacon-wrapped pork tenderloin. Which is like pork on pork on pork, which yeah. is so bad for you, but so good. So, yeah, that, so sounds delicious. And, and then we uh, we make mine always all involves food. Uh, Christmas tradition. Uh, so the weekend before or a couple of days before, we'll make uh, chocolate chip cookies, sugar cookies are the best sugar cookies in the world. And I might have to bring you well, some. Your chocolate that. chip cookies are the best in the world, uh, so I can only imagine <laughs> uh, sugar cookies. And then we make a chocolate truffle cake which is a three-layer oh, cake I've seen those pictures yeah. yeah so that's um, an awesome one that that happens on christmas eve and it's a team effort it's like team all in team mosley making that cake and that's awesome that's a great one so so that's that's kind of what we do it kind of like yours involves revolves around food yeah excuse me um one th- and and I guess that's one thing I did want to mention has nothing to do with Christmas. Actually, it does. Um, some Jacksonville Jaguar fans have been very generous this season uh, to one Jadavion Clowney. Um, I don't know if, if you if our listeners are aware, because I know most of them are in the metro Atlanta area, the Jacksonville Jaguars are in first place. In Dominated the, in the AFC Seattle. South. Uh, Wasn't it Seattle they played? No, that was the Rams. Uh, two weeks ago. But Jacksonville, who do they play this week? Uh, uh 45 to 7 they beat yeah. uh, the Texans. Yeah. Okay. The Texans. And so after the games Davion Clowney was not happy and called Blake Bortles trash, which is fine any other day except the day he threw for 300 yards against your defense. Yeah. Um and so you can't really call him trash. So some salty Jacksonville fans went on Amazon and used Amazon Prime with the 2-day shipping to get Davion Clowney a trash can. So he can sit on it while he watches Blake Bortles in the playoffs. How did they get his address, first off? They sent it to the stadium. Oh, God. Just to- <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so 
I, I absolutely <laughs> love that the fact that my Jaguars are relevant, um, extremely relevant, and and you know. I I kept hearing last week while the Steelers and the Patriots are playing this, this is going to be the AFC title game. And I'm thinking to myself, not so fast, my friends. Ben Roethlisberger threw five interceptions to the Jaguars. He can do it again. Uh Uh-huh. And especially with, you know, a questionable uh, Antonio Brown. He's questionable with an injury. Um, Maybe they'll shoot him up with some drugs. And um, I mean, that went from it's a bruised calf to, oh, he's in a hospital. Yeah. Like, yeah, so uh, we will we will get into the NFL, especially during playoff time. Mm-hmm. Um, I my my team took an unceremonious bounce from the postseason, and so I'm done with fantasy football. I was done after. Oh uh, yeah, mine uh, did too. So not much difficult. Talk, yeah, very something I don't want to talk about. Well, and, and and well, and there's two leagues. There's one I do with my brother, which is like the big money league that mm-hmm. we care the most about, and then another one I do. The other one um, didn't fare so well. No, well, both of them we missed the playoff. There's six playoff spots. You missed the playoffs by one game, but then there's something called the loser bowl with yeah, the lower sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I was. So in- we this week we have that title, which would still bring some money, but. I mean, when you lose the loser bowl, it's still not anything. Worth. I lost. In the we first. won it all last year, so it's like. You, all those teams, man. You you make the Super Bowl, and the next year you're not even in it in the it's playoffs. So dog eat dog world, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, one I'd say one last thing. I I keep coming up with these Christmas ideas. A couple guys I want to mention who I think should get coal in their stocking this year. Oh, if okay. I'm playing Santa Claus, yeah. Uh, at the top of my list is Butch Jones. He's he's Has he not had one. enough. He's number one. He's getting some coal in his stocking. Yeah. Uh, number two, the Tennessee fan base. They're getting lumps of coal in their stocking yeah. for their reaction on well Twitter. Well deserved. Uh, number three, any Alabama fan who tweets a, about a recruit being a loser deserves a lump of coal in their stocking. Yeah. Uh, number four, LeVar Ball deserves a lump of coal in his stocking. Number five, Draymond Green, just on principle, deserves uh-huh. a lump of coal in his stocking. Uh, and number six, I think... Uh, um, Anybody who plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers deserves a lump of coal in their stocking for developing another super team and being a bunch of crybabies. Gotcha. That's that's my lump. That's folks I delete. Yeah, if I'm Santa and handing out gifts, um, I give out two. Okay, this is just recent events. Okay, Um, one of them to the Tennessee Vans on their message board that you know Cade Mays is from Knoxville. He's a top. 10-15 10-15 offensive tackle in the country, five-star, and he went to Georgia. His dad played at Tennessee. And uh, I was reading yesterday how um, more than one said on his Twitter, said, I, there's an article about it, I hope you break your leg, you effing F. You know, all sorts of just terrible, which is a seven. And they were saying, I, you know, his fan, he's never going to be welcome in Knoxville again, I hope. And he shouldn't be welcome in Knoxville or his family. They, they need to move, which you're taking this way too serious. People if have, you're yeah, okay, come on. You're um, the other one that I was trying to think of people that that I think that man Rob Gronkowski. Do you remember his what he got suspended for his hit against the Bills a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago where mm-hmm. he just dove at the guy's head? Uh, he deserves a lump. That was the the most bush league trashiest move I've seen from a professional athlete in a long time. Wait a minute, did you see Michael Bennett? Trying to dive into the legs, yes, of Brandon Linder. Yeah, but that. Oh, how about how about that dude that decided to try to go up into the stands? Um, did, 
here we go. I and all those for, Jacksonville you, fans throwing trash. You, so, so, and I don't, I could not find the clip, but so WJXT or, or eleven. Channel 11 down in Jacksonville had interviewed a couple of guys standing in the front row, not the guys that were throwing things, but they interviewed these two guys and they were, you know, black, African-American, let me be politically correct. All right. African-American guys. And they were talking about, they said, yeah, you know, the guys throwing stuff that was wrong. And they, he did call some, say some words. They shouldn't have called a player those names. He's like, but once we're in that stadium, it's all of us versus you, versus you. So, so you know he should he should expect to hear the booze and they and they ask the question well what would have happened if he would have made if Quentin Jefferson would have made his way up to the stands he goes oh you and Duval you don't get a beat down ain't nobody coming to our stands <laughs> and I was thinking to myself this is my hometown this is awesome that is um, awesome so yes I would like to give Quentin Jefferson and Michael Bennett who I had a lot of respect for before mm-hmm. that play. Um, I would like to give them and the entire Seattle Seahawks defense a lump of coal. They talk. We always talk about salty man. That whole team. They they started. They couldn't handle getting waxed like that and started acting like little kids. Babies, you know? babies, yeah. babies, man. That's pathetic. So plenty of coal to hand out. So anyhow, that's all we got for this week. We would like to wish you all a Merry Christmas mm-hmm. and a Happy New Year. We will be back after the New Year yep. uh, before the national title game to preview that for you all and to catch you up on it, on the goings-on in the NFL and uh, college or pro basketball. <sighs> Merry Christmas, Merry y'all. Christmas. Thank you for all of our friends and listeners. Yeah, very thankful. Go, uh, go tell somebody. Go follow us. Retweet us. Tell somebody. Spread the word. It'll be great. Have a great, great Christmas and Happy New Year.